This video is sponsored by Wing Wing Technology, your ultimate fly sim hardware solution. Hello everyone, I hope you're all doing very well today for another interview. We've got Cedric here. Say hello, Cedric. Hello. Hello and thank you very much for uh, coming. The title is A6 Intruder Plane Captain. And this is part of the, the ground crew, if you like, and it preps the plane for flight. Synopsis. I joined the Navy in 1985. I went to Great Lakes RT. I then attended Airman School. I transferred to VA-42, a uh, A6 Intruder Training Squadron. Finished A6 FAM School. Is that familiarization school? Yes. Then transferred to VA-35, where I worked the Flight Line Division. The squadron had the A6E and the KA6D tanker variants. I studied the air on my own time. My squadron was aboard the USS Nimitz, USS Roosevelt. Then I traded out to the Seabees. What's the Seabees? Seabees is the uh, Navy's uh, construction. Oh. There were four variants of the aircraft. Okay. Anything before we start with the questions? Nope. Far away. Okay. So... First question from Mad Dogs is how reliable generally was the A6? Just considering all versions that you uh, worked on. The A6 was a very uh, reliable medium bomber. It could hit the target. It was not stealthy, no, but it was it was all weather. We could launch in the nighttime. We could launch in a thunderstorm. It would get to the target and hit the target. Mm-hmm. Is it true that it had no offensive protection to defend itself? So it had carried no air-to-air -air missiles, no gun, and so on. No, it was it was uh, totally re uh, relying on the um, at the time it, it was a Vietnam vintage aircraft. Mm -hmm. It re relied on the um, high cap and low cap of the um, F eight F eight and the F four F four F four Phantom. The way they, the way uh, the uh, intruder was used, was that the Phantoms and the other aircraft would go in first. Mm -hmm. They would clear the uh, area out, the skies out of enemy airplane, and then the intruders would come in at a low level, hugging the ground. Right. And when they got to their target, they'd pop up, hit a target turn around and go back down to the ground. So it sounds so that way. Yeah, that way the um, air to air missiles or the um, ACAC couldn't uh, lock onto them. See, so they were using their, their ability to fly very low as their protection. Right, and plus at that time, it, there wasn't no uh, ground, you know, air to ground uh, radar. Mm -hmm. not, not a reliable one. So they could always use the jungle to uh, mask their uh, their uh, uh, attack. I mean, you've kind of answered this, but what role did the A6 intruder have? Now, or should I say what roles did the A6 intruder have? Because there were several variants, wasn't there? Right. Okay, you had... <clears throat> excuse me. Now, when I was in the service, you had the A6E, which was the uh, bomber. You had the KA-6D, which was a tanker, and you had the EA-6B Prowler, mm -hmm. which was the electronic jamming uh, variant. Now, before then, there was an EA-6E, which was a two-seater 
jamming playing. But that one phased out quickly. Yeah, I just uh, looked at found some really interesting uh, pictures of the tanker variant. Didn't even know that existed. Okay, very good. Uh, let's push on. Uh, what was different about the Intruder than the other jets that you worked on or worked around? Well, like I said, the, um, the Intruder, like I said, it was a medium bomber. It carried the same payload as a B-17 in World War II. The variant I used had the tram unit, which was a FLIR, forward-looking infrared, which used infrared and lasers to designate a target. Or to find the target, and that was up to the uh, to be in. Because remember, there were two people in there: you had the pilot on the left, the be in on the right. And the be in, his responsibility was to operate the ra the uh, both the radar and the FLIR unit to locate the target, guide the pilot to the target, lock onto the target, and if there was like say a, a marine down unit down there, right? And they were lasing a target. It was the BN's job to uh, turn the FLIR on to pick up that laser beam. So when they dropped the laser guided bomb, it would lock onto the uh, laser beam and guide all the way down to it. What did you say the name of the flare is and where is it mounted on the plane? It's called a FLIR and it was not under the nose. Mm -hmm. So like a little kind of half ball shape? Right. Actually, they used to call it before. Uh, it's called the uh, Mini R two D two. Yeah, it looks just like it. Right. Only thing with this one, all you could do is you, you could roll the ball up into into itself, right? Mm -hmm. But that was it. So you know, like the other, uh, I can't remember the name of them now. What they're using now, what the Air Force is using now, because uh, in the Navy, because. That camera can roll itself up into uh, into the uh, airplane, hmm. but this one you couldn't. It always, you know, that little ball always stuck out. Was it the E variant that used this tram, this flare? Right, right, right. The other one, the, the like I say, the, the A, B, C, and D were all radar guided. Can you tell us what was the difference between the different variants? We've already done that. So, oh, unless there's anything you want to add on that about the difference between the variants? Well, one thing about one thing different with the uh, Prowler, that one had four people in it. We used to call it the station wagon because you have the pilot, the navigator, just 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 the navigator, and then you'd have two electronic uh, guys in the back. And like I said, that that variant would go ahead of the strike package, blind the um, the ground radar and SAM units, so there'd be a hole in the uh, net, and the uh, pa uh, bombing package would flood through that hole. Yeah, I see. It's kind of got like an extended nose out the front, hasn't it? So, and it's got right. two guys and then two guys behind, a bit like a car. Right. That's what we call the station wagon. Mm -hmm. Did you say you worked on those as well? No, we didn't work on them, mm -hmm. but uh, since they were an A6 variant, we had dealings with them when we were on the carrier because they, because like I say, engine parts were the same, wing parts, you know. So if they would need something from us, we'd help them, you know. 
we shared parts and stuff. Yeah. These later variants, like the Prowler, like the E-Model, did they all retire at different times or all taken out of service at the same time? Any idea? The A6E, the one that I worked on, and KA6D, actually they retired right after the second um, Iraq War. Mm-hmm. And then the F-18 came in. Yeah. Because there was a there was a other uh, there was a light attack um, fighter bomber the E um, the A seven that was with the uh, K six I mean the um, and, um, that's what the Hornet initially was supposed to uh, retire hmm. and then they figured well hey we want to make this is a lot easier for the carrier. So instead of having five different aircraft, we're going to have one aircraft. And since Boeing said, Boeing Douglas said, the 18 can do, you know, everything, we're going to start phasing out, you know, uh, different aircraft. So the A7 was first after the Gulf War. We were second after the second Gulf War. And then the F-14 during the Afghan during the Afghan uh, incident, and then also at the same time, they started phasing out the uh, Prowler with the uh, Growler. Mm. Did you use one of the aircraft's many nicknames? And what were those nicknames? If you did, well, like I said, the uh, the Prowler was called the Station Wagon. Of course, the uh, K6D that was that was called Texaco, and the intruder was just the intruder. That's interesting. I never heard. I've, I've never heard of station wagon and Texaco. Why was it called Texaco? Oh right, uh, I get it. I get it. Texaco is the maker of fuel, isn't it? Yeah. Or gas. Gasoline. Right. I got it. Right. Yep. 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 Flying gas station. Flying gas station. Right. Okay. Any idea how much? fuel that could have on board the uh, the Texaco variant. Yeah, 28K, 28,000 gallons. Wow, that's actually quite impressive. That's the weight of some aircraft. And the normal intruder, just the normal intruder that would take the fuel from it, any idea how much that would carry in its internal? It depended on the uh, bombing run. Any idea what its maximum was for the normal A6E? Uh, maximum was uh, 27.2. Really? Wow. That's a lot. Well, you see, you know, like I said, you can take all the bombs off, right? Mm-hmm. And you can put on each station, which was five, mm-hmm. a drop tank. Okay. And you can make a K, you can make the E version a tank or two, because we had a package for it. The uh, centerline tank, was the um, hose and drogue because the uh, centerline tank had a little uh, uh, fan on it. So that would activate the uh, the hose and the hydraulics. Okay. So if your tankers went down, you could turn a bomber into a tanker. Next question. The A6 was one of the first aircraft with self 
diagnostic systems. I guess that means like electrical self-diagnostic systems. How good was it? And was it helping you find the problems that needed fixing? It had it, but it was... It wasn't like the... Um, it wasn't like the F-18. The F-18 you can walk up to with a laptop, plug it in, talk to you. The A-6, you had to get a whole big unit out to the plane, plug into it, and then let it diagnostic cell. What was that kit like? Was it like on a big trolley or something like that? No, it was like a, a big suitcase. Hmm, okay. Old school, old 60s computers, I suppose. Right. Hmm, okay. Interesting. Um, okay, uh, next question. Why were the movable jet nozzles... Uh, hang on, let me try and understand this one. Why were the movable jet nozzles were removed from the production aircraft, in your opinion? I'm not sure what that means. Do you know what that means? This is supposed to be the the E variant mm -hmm. and F variant of the uh, intruder. They were going to take the J fifty two engines off of it and put the F one one eleven engines on it with the afterburner package. Hmm. But they tried it. It didn't quite work because of the angle of the uh, engines, the exhaust. You see, the exhaust on, on an intruder doesn't go straight out. It goes down, then out. I see. So it's not straight. No, it's not straight. Interesting. And that's going to mess the afterburner up, presumably. Correct. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Those actual nozzles at the back there, did, did they kind of close up and expand like a like a you know a modern F-18 or something, or were they just open all the time? Well, on well on the F on the variant they wanted to use it. Like I said, they had the, uh, the turkey feathers, like a uh, hmm. like an F-14. Yeah, interesting. Okay, but like I said, they never put the nozzles on it. They just had it just like I say, they used the J-52 and it was a straight pipe. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, what have we got next? Uh, what was the worst part on the intruder that you had to work on? Uh, or the most awkward part? Well, they call it the, um, the bird cage. It's where the radar, is where the ground radar dome is at. You can open it up and it comes down hydraulically, right? Mm -hmm. Leave it to crawl up in there to work on a radar system. And the thing about it was, if you crawled up in there, no one saw you. So a lot of people would see it open, she would see it open, and try to close it, and there'd be somebody up in there. Trying to get a picture. Whereabouts is this? Like on on, on the front nose cone area, or no? It's, under, it's it's on the tail. On the tail. It's on the bottom on the tail. Mm. I 
can't find any pictures in the way, Lee, so it's hard to visualize what it looks like. So this cage thing came down. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just a. Uh, it looks. It's just a radar dome. Mm-hmm. And when you open it up, it looks like a cage. Mm-hmm. And have a quick. I'm just looking around at pictures now to see if I can find anything like it. Was it called the bird cage? Well, that was his nickname. Let's have a look. No, I'd love to see a picture of that, but I can't find anything annoyingly. But maybe, I don't know, maybe they weren't allowed to take pictures of it or something. Ah, found it. Right, so is it just right next to the, um, you know, the uh, tail hook? Right, exactly. Yeah, right, there it is. How interesting. So you'd actually get up in that. Yeah, there it is. So it had a lot of radar gear back in the tail then. Right. I wonder why. That's where the Doppler was. How weird. And it's just like the air-to-ground radar, presumably. Right. Huh. All right, that's interesting. Yep, I've seen that now. Oh, yeah, there's even a kind of dish-type thing there. Interesting. All right, that's something interesting learned. I had no idea that was such a thing. Um, so, birdcage, fair enough. Let's push on. Uh, question 11. Did you have a specific training or to use and load any nuclear armament on the A6? That's classified. <laughs> Can't talk about that. No. Okay, we'll skip over that one then. Um, was the plane ca- nuclear capable? I'm, I'm guessing a yes. Yes. Okay, wasn't aware of that. Um, what was the engine that the jet used, and was it powerful enough for its time? It was two JF2 Britain Whitney, Britain Whitney engines. Roger. <coughs> was the plane considered underpowered, or was it okay? No, it was actually. It was overpowered to a point to where the uh, F-14s at the time would uh, ask the uh, A-6 intruders to uh, slow down. <laughs> wow. With our normal flight, we could uh, do close to... Um, we couldn't do the speed of sound, but we could do the... We can come close to the speed of sound. Mm. And, you know, fly, you know... Easily added. Where the F4, when the F-14s were like saying, you know, hey, just slow down, or we're gonna have to go in the afterburner. That's interesting because it doesn't look like a fast plane. You know, it's got a big, fat, you know, bulby nose. You wouldn't think it was fast, but that's actually really impressive to see that. Hmm. Okay. Very good. I'm gonna have to try and track down an A6 pilot at some point. Must be, must be some somewhere. Uh, right, okay. Uh, next question. What were the main issues with the aging fleet of intruders that you worked on? So was there something like fatiguing on the, that fatigued a lot or something that wore out a lot or something like that? Well, you got you to uh, think about it like this. Most of the intruders... Came out in 1958. 
So even though they went to uh, the air, you know, back to the um, airframe, which is uh, where they go to get rehabbed, that's an old airplane. I mean, after a while, parts were not being manufactured anymore. We had to make our own parts. Huh. How do you do that? Well, we had, we have uh, um, shops on aboard the uh, ship or shops on shore that would do it. There was uh, intruders dropping bombs in the first Gulf War, wasn't there? So they would have been over 30 years right. old already, those planes. Right. That's quite a service life, and I imagine they probably get used more or less every day, those planes as well. I mean, the only plane older than the A6 was the B-52. Mm-hmm. Yep, so it had a good life then. Okay. Oh, I had a great life. Next question is on to the pilot. What was the... Uh, let me try and read this. What was the pilot's opinion... Uh, of the aircraft, and uh, did you get a lot of complaints from the pilot? No, they loved that plane. They knew we'd bring them back home. Uh -huh. Pretty much the most important that's bit. A rugged, that's a rugged aircraft. Uh -huh. Did you ever see any with damage? Yes, I have. I mean, you're going to get wear and tear, and you're going to get accidents, of course. But uh, combat damage? No, I didn't see none of that. No. Okay. The Iraqis couldn't shoot that good. <laughs> yes, I've heard. Um, the next one, the next question is a personal question for you, uh, Cedric. What is your personal favorite aircraft of all time? Uh, I love my A6, but I'm a 14, buddy. You're 14? Yeah, that's fine. That's a pretty sexy aeroplane. That's that. I mean, when I first got out of boot camp, that's the uh, squadron I put in for was at uh, F-14s. Were you operating off the same carrier as, as the Tomcats? Oh, yeah. So you're all mixed in together. Actually, the uh, F-14s were uh, right down the street from the uh, A-6s on, at Oceana. Mm. Johnny Rogers was our um, was one of our squadrons and the Flying Aces. Okay. Um, DCS, uh, are you a fan of DCS and have you flown the DCS sim yourself? I love DCS. And right now, I'm trying to find uh, someone to uh, help me learn how to fly the F-14. Oh, so you got the F-14. Is that your only plane, or have you got others? I've got um, I got a couple of I got the Russian trainer, and I got the um, P-51. But I'm not a prop guy. Yeah, fair play. I'll send you... Um, I've got a link of a little video showing how to get into our training server. I'll show you that. 
and then there's loads of guys there that will help. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll make sure I do that afterwards. Okay, very good. Um, can you tell us any interesting stories of your time in service? Well, we did have a, a bit of a calamity over at Oceana. We had a, um, a nugget pilot, which means it's his first year. He was in VA-42, and he was coming in for a landing. And for some reason, he lost his, hydra his hydraulics. And then he went to use his uh, blowdown, which is nitrogen, to blow down his gears. And for some reason, that failed. So we had to do a belly landing. Now, on most naval air stations, they have a resting gear set up. So all he had to do was fly the plane in, drop his hook, catch the wire. He'd be okay. Like I said, he was a nugget. Came in. He overshot. Hit the uh, runway. And skidded off into the grass. Which took us about, oh, six, seven hours. Because I was, I was with the... Uh, I was with 42 at the time. I think it was about six hours to get it, to get the plane off the grass, loaded up on uh, dollies, and took it back to the hangar. Was that an intruder, did you and, say? And like I said, the pilot and the BN, they were fine. But what we found out was, and this is, there was a squirrel in the plane. <laughs> what the hell? And this squirrel chewed through the hydraulic hoses and the uh, nitrogen hoses. Good Lord. How the hell did so that get there? I was going to show you. And they figured he crawled up, crawled up in the uh, birdcage. All right. Now, we did have one tragic accident. It was with the VA-55. They were flying out to the, um, to the Midway. And one of their jets took off and had a compression stall. which uh, caused the plane to flip over and crash at the end of the runway. The pilot and the uh, BM were able to, um, well, they ejected, but they didn't survive. Mm -hmm. Too low. I was too low, and 
it was at a bad angle and the pilot got injected into a tree and the BN he got injected into the restraint of the ground. Mm. But the major tragedy was there was a lady who was going to, because the runway is over a highway and when the plane crashed, it hit her car. Wow. Killing her. And the thing was, she was one of the, uh, she was the wife of the pilot. Good Lord. Yeah, that's, that's a tragedy, that one. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, let's push on. Next question is, uh, was it a big team that was needed to maintain the A6 or not? Not really. I mean, you had your... Um, you had your airframe department and propulsion and, you know, stuff like that. But the plane was not that hard to maintain, really. I mean, this is, like I said, this is 1958 technology. Mm. So it was pretty much open the panel, change out a unit. But the only um, thing that we really had to worry about were the black boxes. Because they use radars and leers, um, there's a lot of black boxes you had to pull out. Like recorders? Huh? Like, are they like recorders recording data? Well, recorders, but we, when we say, in the military, when we say uh, black boxes, we're really talking like computers. You know, not like in the air. Like oh, in the, um, right. Yeah, gotcha. The airline black boxes are for recording, but in the military, when we say black boxes, those are computers, and they are painted black. Right. Okay. So lots of those that needed changing, they wore out, I suppose. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, the next question is about the intruder. Um, what was the intruder's typical uh, payload loadout and was it capable of a wide variety of missions? Well, the intruder it just depends. I mean, you could put rock eyes on it. You could put 82s. Um... Towards the end of its career, they started putting uh, sidewinders on it. Mm -hmm. It carried the harm. And then, well, first it was the strike, then the harm. It can carry mines. Um, it can carry uh, Zuni rockets. 
I mean, if it's if it goes boom, it can carry it. Did it have any gun pods? Yes. They did carry gun pods, but not often. Hmm. Because their head, because their the heads were not um, set up for uh, um, guns. Right. You gotta remember this is this was this thing was strictly made for dropping ordnance. Just going through some various pictures, and they can carry a lot of bombs. I don't don't know what bombs they are, but they can carry a lot. Can't even count them. Well over twenty bombs. Okay, very good. Um, next, uh, is it a big jet? Um, as it looks quite small in the pictures, how uh, does it compare with other contemporary aircraft in terms of size? Um. Let's put it like this. An F-18 was smaller than uh, an A-6. Because as you can see, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's quite a, as that's what they called it, a medium attack bomber. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it, it can be too big because like I say, it had to fit on a carrier. <coughs> and as you can see, the wings could fold up. Okay, I'm back. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Right, uh, where did we get to? Uh, were you deployed at some of the hot zones um, at the time, and did you have to repair or see any battle damage? We flew the Gulf of Sidra, but we never... I didn't have a chance to go on any um, on any combat missions. As I like to say, by by the time we hit the uh, the Gulf War, I had, I had transferred out. But I had my buddies. I you know I knew a lot of people there. Actually, you probably met. You probably saw one of the uh, pilots on TV. Mm -hmm. um, his name was Lieutenant Zahn. He was one of the uh, few uh, aircraft. That was shot down, and he was uh, he was shot down and captured, and he was on uh, TV. He was one of the few pilots that uh, you know made you know made statements on the uh, on the uh, for the uh, uh, Iraqis. Was that when was that ninety one? Yeah, it was the first Gulf War. I don't remember it. But I'm just looking for any pictures. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Didn't realise that was a thing, but very good. Um what else have we got? Uh what was the ejection system of the A six? Is it ejection seat or is it a whole cockpit module like the F one eleven? No. We were we were seats. Now the thing about the ejection seats, 
we had two ways of ejecting. Now you had the um, you had the ejection handle in front of on the um, pilot's dashboard, and if you pulled that handle, the canopy would blow off. Then the seats would eject, or you could grab the curtain, pull it over your your face. Now, once you did that, what happens was there's a rod behind the ejection seat, and the rod would would, would fire up and bust the um, canopy glass. And as the canopy glass is you know is being busted up, you're being launched out through there. So there were two ways of being, you know, of ejection mm. out of the uh, intruder. Now, the uh, EA-6B Prowler was a different thing. They had to go through the glass because if they tried to um, eject the canopy, the guy in the back gets trapped. All right. And the only thing about the EA-6B, there's only been two successful ejections out of it. Because you're firing four guys out. And when these guys launch, it's not when they pull the handle. Whoever pulls the handle, the guys in the front go first. Then the guys in the rear. It's quite a big delay. And they're firing at a more of a 20-45 degree angle away from the plane. And so they're going straight up. Everybody's going at a 45 degree angle. To get away from each other. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Um... So, same kind of question. Was it a zero zero capable seat? So that means when uh Yes. Right, so so it can be done from zero speed, zero altitude essentially. Right. I, I now this is it's it's a kind of, it's a funny story to to me and some other guys. I had a guy I had a, a friend of mine, he was with uh VA forty two as a plane captain. We're supposed to pin the seats, which means we put pins in the injection holes so they don't fire. Well, my buddy forgot to put the pin in for the uh, canopy. So when he stood up to get out of the plane, he actually slipped and hit the uh, canopy ejection. Oh, good Lord. And it blew off. And the canopy ripped the tail off the airplane. Wow. <laughs> so, actually, my buddy got discharged two weeks later from the Navy. Mm. So, you're supposed to put the pin in first, which would stop it triggering, presumably. Right. Before you even get in the airplane... You gotta lean in there and start plugging, start putting those pins in. 
There's 13 pins you got to put in there. You got to pin up the seat. You got to pin up the handles. And you got to put a pin in the uh, ejection rod. And I'm saying 13 pins. You got to do the pilot seat. Then you got to walk around and do the BN seat. Um, let's move on then. Ken, personal to you. What made you want to join the Navy? Uh, was it your goal to start with? <clears throat> well, most people laugh when I tell them. There was a commercial on back in the 80s, and it said, you know, U.S. Navy Operation Hawaii. <laughs> and it was the Nimitz, and they were doing flight ops in Hawaii. And I watched it, and I said, that's what I want to do. Next day, I went to the recruiter and said, hmm. I want to be on the flight deck. Cool. Okay. Um, next question. Now, I don't know if you'll know this, but can you tell us a bit more about the ANAAS33DRS? Does that mean anything to you? I'm trying to look it up now. Yeah, I saw that. I, I, I Googled that, too. I didn't see anything. It sounds like they're talking about a, a radio or a radar system. Yeah, I'm not sure. I got it comes up with pictures of comes up pictures with a tram, it comes up pictures with mm, some stuff in the cockpit, but I've, nothing obvious about how this works. We'll skip over that one, shall we? Okay. Yeah. Be interesting, but I don't, I don't know. Okay. Fine. Um were there uh let me just read this uh were there a lot of problems related to the fuselage and wing fatigue? And was the ASICS easy to maintain for the missions? So how was the fatigue on it? Well, like I say, the plane is an old plane. And the thing about it was, like I said, the A6 flew low level. So... We're flying through canyons. We're flying treetop. So there was a lot of wing fatigue, yeah. But it wasn't like um, catastrophic. I mean, you know, what we do is we go with the air. We take when the airplane comes in to the shop. We uh, use a. Um, just like when you go to the hospital, we x-ray it. Hmm. And if we find microfissures in it, then we send it to AIMD, which is the um, equivalent of sending it to, the, uh, to, the, to uh, a car part. And they send us a new part or they rehab the wing. Take out the part that's damaged put in a new, you know, a new part, weld it on or whatever they do to it, and send us back the wing, we put it back on the airplane. Uh, next question. Do you think the jet was retired prematurely in favor of the Hornet, um, or do you think it was retired at the right time? Personally, it was the right time, because with the newer Sams coming out, she couldn't take it. She'd be knocked out of the 
out of the sky. I mean, even with the um, with the uh, uh, um, flares and the um, you know the anti radar, it just she she was like I say she was getting old, and it was a big target on the radar screen. Okay. Next question is. Um, what was the difference between the newer airframes and the older airframes? Some were built in the early 90s, we believe. Did you ever deal with the newer airframes? Nope. <clears throat> so you had the, the newest the airframe ones. we had was 1974. It's pretty old. And that was back in the 80s. Um, next question then. Was there anything specific for the required for the intruder in order to prep it for a mission that was not the same as other carrier-based jets. Now you see, that's actually um, the Hornet is more different than anything else. Because with the Hornet, they had to bring, they bring a little laptop computer and their uh, boxes and prep the plane uh, for combat. Everything was pre-programmed in the uh, boxes in there and in the laptop. Where the A6, they had to go in there and manually punch in this and punch in that. And, of course, just like the F-14... You couldn't move the plane until it's synchronized. So, like I say, you're dealing with 60-70 technology, trying to make it up with eight with 80 technology. It kind of doesn't. It has a hard time talking to it, you know, to each other. But we used to watch the Hornet guys. They walk up in there. Throw a couple of boxes in, hit a little bump, 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 and boom, they're gone. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose that's one of the benefits of a more modern plane. Right. Okay. Um, where are we? Can you describe roughly what it was like being on board the carrier and the people you were working with? Carrier's all it is, it's a town. It's a town in the ocean. You got your 7-Elevens. Well, we call them 7-Elevens. You know, uh, stores. Um, we had our little, we had like our little McDonald's up forward. Um, you watch movies. Uh, nowadays, they got uh, cell phones and stuff on board. And... I've got a a nephew. He's on board the Roosevelt, and he's telling me it's a whole new ship from what I from what I was on. Hmm. I mean, it's pretty like say it's, it's a city on on the uh, on the ocean. You got a barber. You got barber shops. Uh, they even got beauty shops for the females. <laughs> so you know it's 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 nice to be on. I I would rather be on the carrier than than on the uh, destroyer. 
Yeah, right. Um, only thing close is uh is the uh, LPDs, and I don't want to be on them either. What's an LPD? Those the mini carriers. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 I got it. Okay. You were lucky then. You had a floating town. Yep. Okay, very good. Um, if there's an average time that it took for, for you guys to prep an intruder for the mission, what would the average time be? <sighs> Combat situation, under 30 minutes. Under 30 minutes. That's not bad. Yeah. But if we're, if we're just doing a training flight, it might take an hour mm -hmm. because then we're going over all the systems and everything. Because, mm -hmm. you know, like I say, as a plane captain, right, I've got to go out to that plane. I've got to make sure that there's no hydraulic leaks. I got to make sure the locks is full. That's the, uh, liquid oxygen I've got to make sure that the um, the plane is properly fueled you know I mean the worst thing you can have is a pilot who comes out there and he checks his fuel load and if he's supposed to have 12k and all he has is third I mean uh, 10k he's screaming all right because then he's got to refigure how he's going to tank, you know, when, when he can tank. Because, like I say, these things have been thought out long, you know, long and ahead of time. So if we're dealing with the Air Force with their tankers, you know, we've already, you know, got the protocol out there. They'll know when they're going to be up there. And... If we got to deal with our tankers, we got to figure out, well, hell, when we got, you know, where can we meet this guy at? Because you got to remember, the tankers, the K, the K, um, A6Ds don't go like, like regular tankers. They stay around the ship. If they have to venture out, they're going to burn up more fuel and they can tank to the plane. So you've got to learn, you've got to get everything together on a training flight to where a combat flight, everything is, is kind of uh, put together. They're going to have emergency tankers. Okay. Um, next question. On your ship, how many A6s would you have on board? And were they all flying, or did you keep some kind of for spares? Yeah. <clears throat> it just depends on the bombing package. Some packages are four, are four ship. Some packages are two ship. Now, whenever we're getting ready to send out a, a package, whether it's a four or a two ship, 
we always have two planes running in case one of the uh, original uh, ships will go down. So you always have two spears running just in case one of the other planes have a has a problem. Their computer goes down or an engine goes down or, you know, somehow, something catastrophic where the plane can't fly. Now, my squadron had 36 planes. So we had 36 planes that we were you know, in, in charge of, that we kept going. Um, then the Navy cut that in half because they kind of figured that it was too many planes for one squadron to deal with. So they cut it down to 18 and took the other uh, 18 and made another squadron out of it, which was the uh, VA-36 Roadrunners. And they did that all through the Navy because they figured that was too many planes, you know, for one squadron that was 36. So they cut it in half and made, you know, more squadrons. Mm. Okay. And then, of course, you also got to worry about the, uh, the Marine Corps because they have ace because at the time they had A6s too. And they went on deployments with us too. Right. Okay. Uh, back to simulation. If the intruder came to DCS, what do you think it would bring to the sim? Well, I put it like this. What you try to do with um, with the um, the frog foot and the A10. We'll do it with no problem. And we're faster. True. So we can get in and get out quicker. Now, A-10 can loiter. And that thirty caliber Gatlin gun, I love that Gatlin <laughs> gun, can tear up some, uh, some equipment. But... We can do the we can do the bombing package. We can laser at high altitude. That's that's like with the um with the B one bomber. How they got that um what is that a sharpshooter? All right. Package. We were doing that with the uh, tram unit. Yeah. We sit there at thirty six thousand feet. Laser target. Let it go. Boom. It would be pretty cool. Take off take off of a carrier, head over land, and then be flying at treetop level. We haven't got anything that's specialized for that at the moment. Yeah, let's say you're flying at treetop level. You can fly mid-level, mid or you can fly high at a high level. ASICs can do it. You can do it in the rain. You can do it at night. Do it in the snow. We did it. We were in Norway, and we were in the fjords, and it was snowing. Planes were slipping and sliding, but we launched them, cool. and they hit the target. 
Awesome. Okay. And, sorry, go ahead. I mean, like I said, that that plane was a rough and tough bucket. I mean, you got, like I said, it was uh, proven in Vietnam. So if it came out of Vietnam, <laughs> you know, who's going to stop it? Yeah, fair play. Okay. Um, next question is about the Prowler. You said you did not work on the Prowler, didn't you? Right, didn't work with them. Oh, we, yeah. we did. We helped them out, but we didn't work on the plane. No. All right, we'll skip that next question then. Uh, I might know it. Okay, well, it says, have you ever worked on the Prowler, and was it much different to the Intruder? Okay, the Intruder. The, the, the next, I never worked on one, but I've, I've uh, when they fly across because they, they, they were stationed at Whidbey Island in Washington, Whidbey Island, and they would fly over to Oceana for the deployment and since we were in a six squadron they're in a six we would catch their planes park them fuel them so yeah I've, I've prepped them but i've never we never worked on them unless we had to i mean like i say they had the same engines same electronic parts i mean except for a few secret parts that that uh, we didn't use and that they used. Only thing different about the uh, Prowler, it was longer. It had two extra seats in the back. But it could drop bombs like an H6 intruder. It could fire missiles, strikes, harms, uh, land, uh, sea mines. I mean, the Prowler could do pretty much everything. Uh, an A6 could do. We just did it better. <laughs> Fair play. Um, did the intruder carry chaff and flares? Yes, we did. I hated those things. Hmm. Why? Because we had the old ones, and they came in a. They came preloaded, okay. And if there was a stray voltage. They go off. Wow. That's why you always have to keep them pinned up for flight. Right before they take they take off. That's when you that's when you unpin the uh chaff buckets. Whereabouts were they on the plane? I can't see anything on the You won't. They're tw they're actually um towards the back, mm -hmm. towards the bottom. There used to be, um, on some of the uh, older models, like the C and the D models, the um, speed brakes were actually on the uh, fuselage. Yep. And it opened up. So, right in that area is where they put the chow and flares. Yep. Yeah, I can't. Like I say, if you look at the D model, all the speed brakes are on the wingtips. Right. Okay. I was just looking for pictures. There's not many pictures. Fine. Um, where are 
are we? Uh, 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 uh. Did you work on the tanker versions? You did, didn't you? And uh, how different was that from the rest of the fleet? No, tanker was... That was your stripped-down model. Because the BN, all you had to do was dispense gas. He didn't really navigate that much. So his his console was dispensing the fuel, reading the fuel, pressures, stuff like that. Where the pilot, he he had to fly and navigate. Um, if you look at your uh, F-14 and that green bit uh, screen uh, down by the middle, you know what I'm talking about? TID, yeah, yeah. Same one on the on an A6. Oh, really? Didn't know Same that. Same one. Let me go and have a look. And whatever the BN saw, the pilot could see too. Yep. They had that same green screen. I used to hate that thing. Because <laughs> because sometimes if the uh, AE department couldn't had a, didn't have a chance, we had to pull them out. And those things are heavy. Oh, yep. they're heavy. Was it uh, the pilot on the left? Pilot on the left. Yep. Yeah. Pilot on the left, being on the right. Mama navigator on the right. Right. So did the, sh the screens show the same thing you said? Well, he could slave it over to right. the uh, pilot. Yeah. Now, the being he had, if you looked at it, mm. he's got a hood. Yeah. And he's sticking his head into that scope, and you never see him again. Right. Once he's in there, that's all he does. He's looking at the hood. Because he's he's, hmm. he's actually telling the pilot he's steering the pilot on on you know where the target is. Right. And when you had had a real good team together, pilot and the being wouldn't even talk to each other. The being would slap the pilot a certain way on on on, on the leg. And the pilot knew what to do. Or if, or if the being grabbed the grabbed the uh the pilot on, on the shirt, he knew exactly what he knew. on his flight suit, he knew what he know, he knew what he wanted. It's a beautiful That's thing a, beautiful thing about a side by side cockpit, isn't it? Right. You'd have that the, kind of thing. No thing that's one thing I, I, I don't like about the F fourteen is mm -hmm. that it's tandem. Yeah, so you lose that interaction. Because you're always talking to each other. And sometimes you have a tendency to want to look at the back and say, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, when was the last time you had any dealings with the intruder? And what's the thing you'll most remember about it? I was right before I transferred. Um... Just going down to the uh, hangar and, you know, kind of giving it a tap on the old fuselage and saying goodbye to your girl. Hmm. Okay. 
Uh, the next question is quite a big question, so I'm going to get started. As far as I understand, the A6 was, was one of the last US military aircraft built for low-level ground attack. Other aircraft, like the ground roll series of Tornado, were optimized for this by having turbofans with a certain bypass ratio and a high wing loading. This made them exceedingly sexy at low level, but created problems when used as interceptors at high altitude. So the, the tornadoes were very bad at high altitude. So my question is, did you see much change in the aircraft systems between when you started in 1985 to the time they saw combat during the Gulf War and the US Navy had to stop flying them at low level? Like I said, the intruder can fly low level, it can fly medium level, and it can fly high level. We trained for all three areas. I mean, one week we'll be down at the Grand Canyon flying the canyon. Cool. Next week we'll be at a, at a, uh, a bombing range in Florida flying mid, you know, mid level. Next week we'll be they'll be flying over to uh, Puerto Rico. There's an island out there in Puerto Rico that we use for uh, um, high level bombing. So, like I said, the intruder pilots were always always being trained, you know, to fly different levels, different scenarios. And like they would always tell me, they used to hate flying at night, low level. But their thing was, no offense, but they hated the Brits. <laughs> Especially the tornado pilots. Because what we consider low level and what they consider low level <laughs> was not was way below our hard day. <laughs> and I think y'all had more accidents than we did. I mean we we had our share of accidents. I mean we've had we've had guys fly into into uh telephone well into telephone wires high-powered wires. Um, we watched Jess, and, and these were guys that were playing around. They used to do a thing called suck the water. Which means they would get down to about maybe 10 to 12 feet above the ocean, and the intake would actually start sucking water into the intake. Mm, cool. But... Aside from the horse playing, nah, they said you Brits are crazy. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. We often hear about some rocky relationships between pilots and ground crew during these interviews. Do you have any good or bad stories from working with pilots and what can be done in order to make a healthy relationship between the pilots and the ground crew. Me personally, I've—I mean, I've only had the ones I've always had a problem with were the uh, ring knockers. And when I say ring knockers, I'm talking about the uh, 
Annapolis guys. The guys that came out of Annapolis, they were always the stiff neck. Is that how you sued an officer? Is my plane ready? Yada, yada, yada. And then you had guys that went through college. They went to flight school. They were like, hey, Taylor, how's it going? Going just fine, sir. She ready to go? Rock and roll time, sir. So, you had the, like I say, it depended on the pilot. Okay? It depended on the pilot and the flight, and then the flight crew. Because I remember one time I had a plane. She was ready to go. She was. She, I had her primed up, hooked up, everything. Huffer was on, power was on, seats were pulled back, ready to go. I had a laid back office. What was his name? Uh. I can't remember his name now, but he was laid back. And to be in, they came in, they did their walk around, they signed off their, uh, signed off the plane to take, you know, take charge of it. And they stopped, they, they looked at me and they said, look, we're gonna fly down to uh, Kilar, you know, Key Lago. You want a lobster? Hmm. I said, yes, sir. They flew down to Kilago, Kilago, sorry. They had blibbits on the uh, uh, plane, which are like carrying like suitcases mm, for an airplane. Yeah. They packed the plane full of dry ice and lobster. They flew <laughs> back. They came. They came to my. Um, they came to my room, knocking the door. Say. Here your lobsters. I said, thank you, sir. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Okay. Right. Uh, last question. As the A6 was operated by both the United States Navy and the United States Marine Corps, how differently were they maintained and operated by both services? For all you jarheads out there, Take this with a grain of salt. You beat the hell out of them planes. <laughs> we, um, they transfer planes when, you know, like, like if, if we have a plane and it goes hard down, which means we can't fix it on the ship, we'll transfer it out and we'll get another plane in, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we got this A6 in from, um, what was that Marine Corps? They got the checkered uh, tail on on their um, on their rudder. Can't remember the name of their squadron. But we got we got they sent us one of their planes, right? They landed it, put it on deck. We did our pre-inspection walk around, and I swear to God, in the uh, 
and the body was a was a tree a tree branch. <laughs> they flew so low they knocked they put trees in the plane. <laughs> um then like I say we had to go through the electronics and that was that was hell. So we had to take the plane, take it down the decks, sand it down, repaint it, put our stuff on it. That plane was was the worst plane we ever had. Every time we took off, it came back with a hard gripe. Mm-hmm. So Marines just fly the hell out of planes. No respect. <laughs> no respect, that's right. Okay. Um, we've come to the end of the questions now. Anything you'd like to add before we sign off? Uh, no, I just enjoy talking with you, and I enjoy watching you guys fly. Cool. That's what we like. Okay, Cedric, um, it was a lovely, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for contacting me and uh, taking us through your stories um, and giving us your time, really. I'll sign off now, but thanks a lot, and I'll catch you later. Alrighty. All right, I'll see you, man. Bye. Thank you.